Amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. Before we get into the message, a couple things. I know that this Wednesday, May 31st, a lot of graduations are going on, but I'm just going to throw out again an appeal to all of you that can be here on Wednesday night. Let's keep the momentum going for our Wednesday night Bible study. We've been having over 50 adults, and then with our children and our uh, teens, we've been having close to 100 on Wednesday night. So let's just continue to keep that momentum. I know, again, many families are going to have graduations this Wednesday, but for those of you that can be with us, let's come out and have a great time together over in the cafeteria on Wednesday night. Also, before I begin this morning, I just want to do this. This is my way of hugging all of you, okay? Um, after, after last Sunday's message, it, it was very apparent to me that just a few minutes after last Sunday's service ended, God was directing my mind towards this hour today. Um, he wanted me to know that, that even though it was going to be a holiday weekend and we were going to have a lot of people away and our numbers were going to be down as far as physically goes, that he wanted to do something special here today. So I'm glad you're here. There's a reason why you're here today. And God wanted to make sure that throughout this week that I was studied up and prayed up and filled up and wound up so that when I got here today, I could share what God had shared with me uh, over the last couple of months and weeks. So we're back in the book of Hebrews, continuing our series. And today we're in chapter 2, and we're going to look at the first four verses of Hebrews chapter 2. And I'd like to just read these verses and then go back and share the things that God laid on my heart from this passage of Scripture. So based upon chapter 1, the author says, Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken through angels proved to be so firm... And every violation or disobedience received its just penalty. How will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was first communicated through the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. While God confirmed their witness with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This passage, folks, is all about possibilities. In fact, if I had to title this message, I would title this message and this passage of Scripture, Oh, the Possibilities. Now, he's going to tell us those possibilities will only come about in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ with the right priorities and the right partners. We're going to talk more about that, obviously, this morning. But I want you first to see that the author wants us to consider the possibilities. Why do I say that? Well, I want you to go with me down to that phrase in this passage of Scripture, where in verse 3, he says, Such a great salvation. Four words. I would like those four words 
to be inscribed, engraved, tattooed, if you will, on our hearts and minds in the days forward. Because God wants us to understand that we have not just been given salvation. We have been entrusted with such a great salvation. And that this speaks more than just the moment that we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. That the impact of such a great salvation is to be felt in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ every day. Every day we should be experiencing, if you will, such a great salvation. Now, these words not only speak about the fact that our salvation is mighty. That's one of the aspects of it. We have a mighty salvation. A powerful salvation. It also speaks about the fact that our salvation is very important. You see, because it's such a great salvation. But for today's message... I want us to focus on the fact that these words speak about reaching our maximum potential. That's what it speaks about. Listen to me, friends. Here's what the Bible is teaching us. Here's what God is saying to us. If you and I have such a great salvation, that when we were saved... God placed within us not only His Holy Spirit, which that would be enough, God's presence dwelling inside of us as mere human beings, but that when we were saved, and Nicole even mentioned it just a couple of minutes ago, God made us a new creation. And when He did that, He literally placed within us all of this potential. You see, in our lives. And he wants to see that throughout our life on earth, however long that is, that we go after reaching the potential and fleshing out the potential and manifesting the potential that he placed within us when we became a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, There might be someone here today, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've never truly had an encounter with God to that level. Where you said, Jesus, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. That there is nothing that I can humanly do to somehow bridge the gap between you as a holy God and me as a sinful human being. But I know that your word gives me good news. That Jesus Christ came in my place out of love for me. And that what he did on the cross of Calvary was to secure my salvation. To bridge that gap. To restore that relationship with you. If I will just simply put all of my faith and trust in what he has done. And what he has accomplished rather than anything that I have done. And the Bible says that when you and I confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And then we are given such a great salvation. 
But again, that great salvation isn't just for that moment. It's actually something that should be experienced, enjoyed, encountered, lived out, and fleshed out for the rest of our life. So everyone here this morning, you are either sitting there without such a great salvation, or you're sitting there in possession of such a great salvation. If you're here this morning and you do not have in your possession such a great salvation, obviously, my encouragement, as strongly as I could, I would say to you, embrace Jesus Christ today and let God's great salvation flood into your life. But if you are here today, I would also, as strongly as I can, encourage you to consider that you have You have such a great salvation. And that that is more than just forgiveness of our sins, which would be awesome. More than just restoring our relationship with God. More than just being placed in the body of Christ. It is also reminding us that God placed within us this great potential in each of us. And he now wants to see that potential come out in our lives. God always works this way with us as human beings. Let me give you just one biblical example, and I could give you many. Think of Peter, that when Jesus met him, Jesus said, you're going to go from, you know, being Simon, being known as Simon, to being known as Peter, the rock. Now, obviously, When Jesus met him at that point, he hadn't come close to that yet. And even throughout Jesus' three-year earthly ministry with Peter, he still was, you know, failing and falling down a lot and learning what this was all about. But my goodness, when you come into the book of Acts, you then begin to see this potential that God placed within him many years ago. And you see him being willing then to confidently stand before hundreds, if not thousands of people and preach with confidence and boldness salvation in Jesus Christ. And then God just began to use him in such a great way because all this potential that was always in Peter was beginning to flow out of him. And God has that same message for you today. Do you realize, have you ever recognized, have you ever considered all this potential within you? And maybe you're just scratching the surface. Maybe, just like Peter, it's been lying dormant for years and you have yet to really begin to see all that God placed within you when He saved you really come out. So God is saying to you today, let's start bringing it out. Oh, the possibilities. First of all, though, when we have the right priorities. You see, you and I as believers will only reach our potential in Jesus Christ when we have the right priorities in our life. That's why he starts out in chapter 2 with these words. Therefore, which points back to everything he said in chapter 1, which is, Jesus Christ is God's very best. 
You and I can't do better than Jesus. We can't go beyond Jesus. We can't have a spiritual experience better than fellowship with Jesus Christ. He's it. And if we want to hear God, we listen to Jesus. If we want to see God, we look at Jesus. If we want to worship God, we lift up Jesus. That was the message last week. And now he says, based upon the fact that you have been given God's best, you have Jesus Christ. And then with that, you have been given also not only the greatest Savior, but the greatest salvation. He says, therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard. Let's start with the words, pay attention. He's saying to us, we've got to, as followers of Christ, pay attention. Not to new things, he even says, but to what we've already heard about our Savior and our great salvation. What's it mean to pay attention? It means to devote oneself It means to give full and undivided attention to something. It means to be all in. Thank you, Mark Carlson, by the way. He'll he'll know what I'm saying. That's what it means. It means to set a course towards something and to stay at it over the long haul. This word can also mean to adhere to something. And so that's what the author of Hebrews is saying. If you and I are going to begin to reach our maximum potential in Jesus Christ and to see all that God placed within us come out, we've got to be devoted. We've got to be all in. We've got to be focused. We've got to give our full and undivided attention, again, Not to just new things, but to the things we've already heard. Can that be said of us? Are we truly giving our great salvation the priority that it should have in our lives? If it is such a great salvation, if that's what we believe it is, then it should be the most important thing in our lives that we Pay attention to. And that it's more than just the moment we got saved. Again, it is something that we do in a moment in time, but it impacts us for the rest of our earthly lives. Because it is through this great salvation that God begins to draw out of us all that he placed within us when we came to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. Are we paying attention to the things we've heard? And then notice the author says this. He said it's up to us to even pay closer attention. Meaning that even more so than what we have up to this point in our life. Why? Because the longer you and I know these things, the longer that we walk as a Christian, the longer that we are a Christian... The longer that we know the Bible and all these things, the tendency is, instead of becoming more devoted and pay more attention to these things and all of that, that the comfortability that can be a good thing crosses over that line into complacency and carelessness. 
And the author's saying, that's where you all, as readers of this letter some 2,000 years ago, he said, that's why you're in the place you're in. That's why you're ready to go backwards. That's why you're ready to throw up your hands and just give up and throw in the towel and say, I'm done following Jesus Christ. I'm done, you know, continuing to move forward. Because he says, here's why. You haven't continued to pay closer and closer attention to the things that you've heard. You're beginning to get into a very dangerous territory. Why? Because he says, if we don't continue throughout our Christian life to give our salvation the weight, the priority, the importance that it should have in our lives, notice the caution at the end of verse 1. We will begin to drift away. Instead of being anchored in our spiritual life, we are set adrift. And like many Christians back then and today, we just sort of float and wander and, and restlessness. And, you know, just like the Bible talks about the waves of the sea, toss back and forth. And there's no real rest in God and settledness in God and all of that. It's just constantly adrift from thing to thing. From this thing to that thing. And God says, that's not a good place to be. That we can lose, if you will, our moorings in Jesus Christ and just be adrift. And we can carelessly let things that shouldn't slip in our lives begin to slip. That's what the word sort of drift means too. Just slowly Drifting. And so you'll notice something here. It's not that, you know, a Christian gets up one day and sort of is just all of a sudden just very antagonistic against Jesus or the Bible or local church or anything like that. It's that slow, subtle drifting away, one step at a time, almost imperceptible, which is why it's dangerous. Because it's like so many Christians don't even know how far they have drifted away after something comes in that just reminds them, oh my goodness, how far away am I from where I either used to be or where I should be as a follower of Jesus Christ. And the author is saying, here's another caution. Not only can we drift away, but he goes down there in verse 3 to say, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And isn't that the way it is in our lives many times? Again, it's that things deteriorate, not because we necessarily do something negative towards it. We just simply get to a place in our life where we just neglect it. And neglect just simply means to disregard it. To not give it the value or significance that it should have. To not have the proper concern or care towards something that we should have. That's what neglect means. And he's simply saying, that's the way many Christians get to that place. Where again, it's not that we wake up one day and go, oh, I, I, I hate Jesus and I hate the Bible and I hate prayer and I hate witnessing and I hate serving God and I hate my brothers and sisters in the local church. And to that point, it's just sort of like, 
we miss this. You miss one day of devotions, and then all of a sudden that ends up being two days of devotions, and then a week of devotions. You miss one day in prayer, and then all of a sudden it's two, three, four, five days in prayer. You miss one Sunday, and all of a sudden it's two or three Sundays go by before you're back. It's just that slowly neglecting and drifting. And the author is saying, he's saying, guys, don't you realize that when God saved you, he placed all of this potential in you. And the only way that potential is going to begin to roll out of you is when we have the right priorities. And that each and every day we are alive as followers of Jesus Christ, we are paying even more closer attention to the things that we've heard. That we've got the right priorities in our life. Because the author says, here's the deal. When we don't have the right priorities, we will start to drift. We will just simply start to neglect and not give our great salvation the significance, the value, the importance, the priority that it should have in our lives. And he's only telling us this, guys and and gals, because it will be such an encouragement to us when we begin to see God pull out of our lives the potential that he placed within us as he uses us, as we truly get engaged and have the right priorities in our life. Which leads to this sort of next point. And that is, yes, Oh, the possibilities in our life and through our life when we have the right priorities, but also very important, and you'll see this throughout the book of Hebrews, when we have the right partners. Notice the plural pronouns in this passage. Notice he doesn't say I or me. He uses the word we. He said, we must pay attention to the things we have heard so that we do not drift away. How will we escape if we neglect? Notice what he's saying there. We are supposed to be in this together. And that one of the ways you and I also see the possibilities and potential is when we have the right partners in our life who will encourage us and support us and help us and place their confidence in us and be an inspiration to us and motivate us. He says, some of you, you've never reached your potential because you've never been placed with the right people. You've always been around people who were the naysayers, who told you what you couldn't do and what you couldn't accomplish. You need to get around and pray for the right people to be around you so that you are inspired and motivated to begin to bring out of you all that potential. If you think this is an isolated case here, turn with me over to chapter 6. We'll just take a quick tour. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. Therefore, we must progress beyond the elementary instructions about Christ. Go over to chapter 10. Look at verse verse 22, 23, and 24. What's he say? Let me, let 
No, he says, let us draw near with a sincere heart. Verse 23, let us hold unwaveringly to the hope. Verse 24, let us take thought of how to spur one another on to love and good works. Then if you go over to chapter 12, look at the very last verse of chapter 12. So since we are receiving an an unshakable kingdom, let us give thanks. Let us offer worship pleasing to God. Over and over again, he's saying, guys, Don't you realize that the way God designed this was that he wants you to have partnerships in the body of Christ where you can mutually encourage each other to begin to bring out all of that potential inside of you? And it's not even a matter of just having the right priorities in our life. It's a matter of multiples of us having the right priorities so that as we get together, as the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron, that we all just continue to bring out the best in each other through these partnerships. And the only thing it takes to go from me to we is even one other person. You don't need to have, you know, a hundred people around you. It might just take one, or you might be that one for somebody else to go from me trying to do this on my own to we do this together. So that we, as partners together with Christ, can mutually encourage, inspire, motivate each other, and have that that relationship with one another where we are encouraging each other to bring out that potential that God placed within us. Sad to say, in my Christian experience, many times, not so much since I've been the pastor of the Oasis, but in the previous 25 years before that, I was part of church, local churches and and church environments where Christians really weren't intentionally encouraging each other in that way. If anything, they were the naysayers. Somebody in the church would get excited about something and go to one of their friends or acquaintances in the church and say, I think God's leading me to do this. And the first thing out of their fellow sister or brother in Christ's mouth was, really? Oh, I don't, I don't think that's, you know, I don't think he could ever accomplish that or do that. And it was just like throwing a, as we say, a cold water on a fire. That's unfortunate. Because the author of Hebrews is saying, guys, this is God's design. This is why he called us to come together in community as believers. See, here's what, bottom line, here's what he's wanting us to know. You and I will never reach our maximum potential in Jesus Christ on our own. Did you get that? Because can I tell you, a lot of Christians don't get that today. That's why they have the mentality. I don't need to be part of a local church. I don't need to be engaged in building relationships and partnerships with other believers. I can worship God on my own. I can even then arrogantly reach my potential on my own. I don't need other Christians. Well, I 
beg to differ with you. The message of the Bible is clear. God's design is the only way you and I reach our potential in Christ is when we are willing to be engaged with each other, partner with each other at times, be a part of each other's lives so that we can mutually again encourage each other and know that we are all going to be better off by being together and coming together than we could ever be apart. That we could accomplish more together than we ever could alone. And that's why he says, we, we, we. And by the way, he says here in chapter 2, verse 4, that when Christians begin to see this potential come out by having the right priorities and the right partners in their life, he says, God will confirm their witness. God will verify this is the way to do it. God will give evidentiary proof that this is the way I said it should be. And he says, here's what's going to happen. You're going to start to see in the fellowship of Christians that do it the right way, you're going to start to see signs. You know what the word means? I love what this word It just means you'll, you'll see God's fingerprints on it. You'll know God's there, that he's a part of it, that he's moving, that he's working. That's what a sign is. God wants his people to experience his signs so that we are encouraged like God's here. He showed up. He answered prayer. He did this. I, 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 I sensed him. I felt him. I saw his power. I felt his presence. These are signs. Evidentiary proof that God is here. He's working. He's moving. His fingerprints are all over you, all over the church, all over that ministry. That's part of it. And then he says, wonders. Because in a sense, signs should lead to wonders. What is a wonder? A wonder is a lingering impression based upon a sign. In other words, like in the Bible, God gave a sign. He is there. He's present. He's working. He's moving. And the people were just like, wow. I I can't explain it. That's amazing. And it wasn't something that was, again, a short-lived impression. It's a lingering, lasting impression. That's what a wonder is. You ever had a wonder in your life from God? How long has it been since you experienced a wonder? See, God is saying that when my people get their priorities right and all this potential that I place within them begins to come out in the body of community of believers and they're partnering with one another, he said, I'll show up. I will confirm their witness. I will let the world know my hand is on them and I'm using them. And I'm going to give them signs. And out of those signs, I'm going to give wonders. And then he goes on to say, and I'm going to do miracles in that place. A miracle is simply something beyond what a human being can accomplish on our own. A miracle is simply saying, well, only God could do that. Or only man can do that in partnership or cooperation with God. But man could never do that on his own. It has to be God.
Wouldn't it be great to be a part of a community of believers where God was doing so much that, my goodness, no human being could even begin to take credit for it. It was like, that's all God. And in the seven and a half years of the Oasis, God has done many miracles, trust me. But God wants to do more. He wants to do more signs, more wonders, more miracles in your life and in the life of our church. And another thing the author says, he says, oh, and by the way, he has given each of us, if we are possessing such a great salvation, he's given each of us spiritual gifts, which is the last thing he lists here. Gifts. Again, do you realize this morning, my friends, that if you are in possession of such a great salvation, you have at least, at least one spiritual gift, this supernatural enablement from God to use within the body to build up your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, to encourage them, to help them to grow That's the only reason why God gave me the gift of teaching His Word. I hope you know He didn't give me the teaching of His Word so that I could sit at home and stand in front of a mirror and teach myself. And please, I don't do that. That would be weird. I don't even like to listen to myself on podcasts, so I'm not going to do that. If I did that, I probably wouldn't even get up here on Sunday. God gave me this gift to hopefully bless you. Help you. Well, God didn't do that just for me. God did that with each of you. God didn't give you these gifts just for you. He gave them so that you would use them within the body so that, again, we who have the right priorities and the right partnership can begin to see all of this potential come out of us. Oh, the possibilities. When was the last time as a follower of Jesus Christ you really dreamed about your spiritual life in God and what could be. That's what the author wants you to begin to think about. You're not just, I'm just so-and-so. I don't have any talents or abilities. If you are in possession of such a great salvation, oh, yes, you do. It's just such a great salvation for you as it is for me. You have great potential. Now, I don't necessarily know what all that is. But I know God wants it to begin to come out. In a sense, think of God as this gentle God, but one that throughout our Christian life, He wants to take us and sort of squeeze us by His love and start to squeeze that potential out of us. And sometimes that's what God has to do to get the potential out of us. He's got to gently squeeze us because on our own, we just stay in that comfortable, complacent way of living and let's not rock the... The problem is, like the author says, if I'm not paying attention the way I should be to such a great salvation, I don't stay there. 
I start drifting. I start neglecting. I start moving away from the priorities that I should have. I start moving away from my relationships and the partnerships that I could have in my life. And I start trying to do it all on my own. And he says, you're going to think that way. You're not just going to drift. You're going to sink. And that's why so many Christians are struggling today. To, in a sense, keep their spiritual head above water. Two primary simple reasons. One, we don't have the right priorities in our life as Christians. And two, we've not, we don't have the right partnerships. And I'll say this about partnerships. There are sometimes where as Christians we're discouraged about all this because maybe we were partnered with somebody a long time ago and we got hurt. They hurt us. They burned us. They betrayed us. So we say, I'm not putting myself back out there anymore. I understand that and God does too. But God wants to bring you out of that mentality because again, you and I will never reach our potential unless we are in fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And until we begin to establish partnerships with one another that are inspiring and motivating and build confidence in our lives and get us to begin to see this potential that God placed within us when we were saved, come out. Before I pray this morning, Nicole, could I ask you and Ashley to come on up? Oh, here's what I'm going to do this morning. I'd like to ask you a question, but I'd like you to begin to just give it a moment to think about it. And I realize some of you may not have something that you can just point your finger to right now. That's fine. But I, I, I got to believe that God's been working on some of you already so that this question, in a sense, maybe phrased in a little bit different way, isn't going to come necessarily as a surprise because God's Spirit's been working on you about something in this way and, and He wants you to declare it today. And here's the question. What are you my brothers and sisters in Christ, what are you willing to attempt knowing you possess such a great salvation? What is it that you are willing to attempt knowing you possess such a great salvation? I'm going to go a step further. I know we're getting radical here this morning. I know you've got access at some point, even if it's our bulletin or something, to a piece of paper. So here's what I want to ask you to do right now. I want you to find a little piece of paper somewhere. Part of your bulletin, a scrap piece of paper, something. I want you to take out a small piece of paper. And if God is leading you to write something down right now, I would like you to write down. Don't put your name on it, by the way. Don't put your name on it. I just want this... To be you coming to this point where you're, you're saying, here's what I am willing to attempt because I have such a great salvation. 
And as you write that on that little piece of paper, I want you to fold that piece of paper up. And in just a moment, we're going to sing our closing song. I would like to ask those of you that wrote something today, wrote something on that little piece of paper to be willing to come up here and drop that little piece of paper right up here at the front of the stage. And here's what I'd like to do. I will gather, because you, you don't have your names on them, so I don't know what this is. I'd like to gather them up, if that's okay. Take them home. Take care of them for a year. And then next year, around this time, I'd like to publish those. Get those, those out to, to the church family and just to remind you, even a year from now, here's what I said at the end of May 2017 that I would be willing to attempt knowing I possess such a great salvation. Maybe some of them would even encourage you as you read them, but that's at least where God is leading me at this point. Would you be willing to say, because I possess such a great salvation, here, God, is what I'm willing to attempt with you. Let's stand. And as we stand, let's pray. God, more than anything else today, may those four words just ring in our ears. Those words being that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, are in possession of such a great salvation. Such a great salvation. God, you didn't just save us. You saved us. You laid hold of our lives and you rescued us and delivered us from the power of darkness. And you brought us into the kingdom of your son, Jesus Christ. And you sent into our lives your Holy Spirit. And you gave us spiritual gifts. And you placed us into your body. And you gave us, Lord, all of these spiritual resources so that we as your children have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly realms. And you seated us with Christ in the heavenly realm. And there we sit this morning. So God, with such a great salvation, what are we willing to attempt? Stir us, God, as your people. May we not only be individuals that say to you, God, I want to begin to scratch the surface of my potential or see more of my potential come out because it's o I've only scratched the surface in my life and I know it. But God, we as a church, I believe, have only scratched the surface of our potential. And there's so much with our church family that God wants to do in and through us. But we've got to be willing as a church to have the right priorities and to build the right partnerships in our life. And obviously, the only way we do all of that is through Jesus. So what an appropriate song to end with this morning in Christ.
Christ alone, in whose name we pray. Amen.